0: The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at MileHighchurch.org. We began our, our series talking about how to make sure the greatest power that there is is the greatest power in our life. And last week we talked about how to use this power for our healing and how to apply it in our lives and how when we're using it correctly, it actually begins to use us. And today, I want to share with you about how this power can inspire us and how we can use it, especially in the midst of challenges, in an experience of great transition or transformation, even in an experience of darkness, darkness to know that this power is is always with us. And when I'm challenged in my life, one of my favorite affirmations to turn to is just simply the knowing that that God is with me and I am with God. God is with me and I am with God. In a a change of a work situation, in a change in relationship, in being called to, to let go of someone that I love who's making their transition, and facing my own mortality, God is with me, and I am with God. It doesn't always make the challenge easier, but it does instill me with a certain level of grace and composure, and helps me have the wider perspective that a job is not my only source, that even though a relationship is, is changing and can renew and there are new relationships to be had, that even in letting go of a, of a loved one to realize that there are bonds that go deeper than the physical realm of time and space and that love is stronger than death. And in facing my own mortality, to know that even at the sunset of my life, there is a promise of eternal dawn. To help me realize, the the talk title today, that the sun never sets where it rises. The sun never sets where it rises. And to me, that's what spiritual balance, in a way, is, is all about. To be at an ending in our life and to trust that a new beginning is on its way. And to be at a beginning in our lives and to have the consciousness that this too shall pass, So you better appreciate where you are to realize that life is filled with dusks and dawns, but real balance is about not getting too sucked up into either one of them. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, even the darkest midnight can herald the dawn of some great fulfillment. I'd like to think that there aren't just beginnings and endings in my life, but beginnings. They all go together. And the more I'm able to stay conscious of the whole, the more so I can experience that wholeness in every piece of my life. It's also Palm Sunday today. Uh, Dr. Michelle greeted me with a high five saying, Happy Palm Sunday! (laughs) And Palm Sunday signifies the part of the Jesus story where he enters into Jerusalem for the last week of his life. And we believe that he's very well aware that it's the last week of his life and confronting his own mortality. And whatever your belief about Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, enlightened avatar, master teacher, all in all good guy, whatever it is, (laughs) when you have to, I believe, admire the Christian scriptures and being so courageous and speaking to this most challenging topic of facing our mortality and opening up to a greater transformation from the eternal dawn. It's really an incredible thing to give into. And I find this in Jesus' teachings, that it opens us up to find our own story, to step into a greater way of being. The naturalist John Muir, he said, "'On no subject are our ideas more warped and pitiable than on death. Let children walk with nature. Let them see the beautiful blendings and communions of death and life, their joyous inseparable unity, as taught in woods and meadows, plains and mountains and streams of our blessed star. And they will learn that death is stingless indeed, and as beautiful as life, and that the grave has no victory.'" For it never fights. All is divine harmony. And I'm reminded of what Socrates said, whose life paralleled Jesus in many ways. His last words were, And so I go now, I to die and you to live. But which of us is on to better things, God only knows. And it is not my uh, intention to try and get us to embrace death with joyful anticipation. I don't want to be the minister who gives the death talk. Oh, Josh is giving the death sermon today. Can we just go to brunch early? Yeah. can <laughs> be a little morbid. But the, the point I want to make is that, that we're always facing sunsets in our lives. And when we can, we can step into them in, in awareness of the sunrise, we can experience immense transformation. You know, our, our philosophy is an uplifting philosophy. It's a, it's a positive philosophy And yet, when you really practice it in the world, it's a challenging one. Oneness? We're all one? Easy to talk about in theory, but but hard when someone's bugging you. I know that God is all there is, and we're all one except for you over there, right? And and we also teach that that God is ever-present, that God is everywhere, and what a challenge, right, when we look at um, some terrible thing going on in the world and ask ourselves, where is God in, in that? You know, To look at a, a school shooting and say, where is God in, in, in that? And our, our hearts surround those who are commemorating the, the 20-year anniversary of the terrible incident at Columbine High School this upcoming week, 20 years. It's hard to find God when we find ourselves in a, in a, in a diagnosis that we've didn't want for ourselves, when we're faced with an immense challenge. And I can only speak for myself, uh, but what I've found is is sometimes God isn't in the cause, but God is in the response. Sometimes God, on this earthly plane, isn't in the cause, but in the response. I, I don't believe so much in a God that's pulling all of our strings and making everything happen. I believe in a, in a God that created the world, is creative in the world, and has given each of us the gifts of virtues, of love, of kindness, of joy, and harmony. God created the world, but we make it the way it is through our choices and our ability to use or deny those qualities and make a very different, sometimes destructive Expression. I remember one of the most uh, challenging days of my life was in the fall of 2011 uh, in Seal Beach, California. I had been the uh, full-time minister there for about six months. And Seal Beach is this beautiful beach community in Southern California between the big cities of Long Beach and Huntington Beach. Uh, and we had a, a beautiful uh, church there. Uh, it was a converted salad dressing factory. A young ministerial student in the 1970s rode by it on his bike. His name was Roger Teal and helped discover it for, for the church. And so on this particular day, um, I'm talking with our board president on, on the bench outside. And uh, I start hearing this popping noise. And I'm someone who, who grew up with, with firearms around, but I had never thought in this beautiful, sacred space, it didn't even occur to me that it could be gunfire. We started hearing some screams and people running, uh, police sirens, and a suspect was, was captured. And, and it was so heartbreaking to realize in this, this sanctuary of a, of a little town, uh, just 30 or 40 yards from our own church sanctuary, that, that one of the, the worst mass shootings in our state had just occurred that uh, eight people had, had just been, been murdered. And it was a, a heartbreaking experience. And at the, at the church, we did all we could. We opened up our doors and welcomed family members in of the victims. We um, had investigators come in to, to get a glass of water, or just have a good cry. News come in and have a good cry. And it, it was so hard, so incredibly hard. And uh, the press, they like to talk to the local pastors at this time But I didn't want to talk to them, one, I didn't want to draw attention to the church in that way And, and two, I probably would have been cursing a lot, you know Maybe not have very pastoral things to, to say Because of the, of the anger that you get when someone misuses the gift of life In such a destructive way But I, I knew it was you know my job to represent the community And we had a vigil and... Um, it was it was beautiful in that sense but the the reporters asked those questions those gotcha questions you know why do bad things happen to good people you know i don't know they just do why would god let this happen i don't believe she did but but where i do see god is in the response in a community banding together and even with hearts broken open Standing in the truth of love. In folks showing up, knowing that one of their fellow human beings had done incredible wrong, but even in the face of apparent evil, knowing and declaring there is a good and a light within us all that is more powerful and stronger than any appearance appearance of wrongdoing. To know that we can't wait for the sun to set on this terrible day, but to trust that when it rises again tomorrow, we will have another opportunity to be better human beings, more compassionate, more caring, more loving. My advice for us is when we see an area in our lives where we don't see God, to see that not as the calling to call in a search committee, but as a calling to show up for the divine to come forth. Where you don't see God in your life, that's your calling, to show up for God to come through, to be a presence for a greater love, for greater understanding. Wherever that seemingly darkest area in your life, that's not God's creation for you. That's why God created you, to step into that with your courage, with your confidence, with the knowledge that there is no power outside of you greater than the one that is within you. Of course, this week marks Jesus' eventual crucifixion and resurrection, and I do think it can mirror our own stories. As Joseph Campbell once said, there's uh, no resurrection without crucifixion. And I think that can be true for all of us when we're going through the transformations of life. And in the Gospel of, of Matthew, um, Jesus' last message, we might say, his last talk, um, includes um, the final parable he tells. And parables are, are teaching stories. Uh, Jesus gives his disciples and others to teach about the nature of God. And in this particular parable, uh, there is a, a Lord who calls together three of his subjects. And when you're listening to one of the parables of Jesus, the metaphysical interpretation is that the Lord or the king is always symbolic of the nature of God. And the subjects or the servants are always symbolic of us. And in the story, the Lord gives talents or units of money to each of these subjects. And he gives them these talents based upon their ability, which gives us the clue that the talents don't just represent Money, but the gift of consciousness. The right of consciousness. The gifts of the divine. So he gives five talents to one, three talents to the other, and one to the last one. And he says, spend and invest these. And then he leaves, I think he goes on a Viking river cruise or something, and uh, (laughs) comes back and he calls the subjects together and says, what what did you do? And the first subject says, "I, I doubled the talents. I had five, but now I have ten. And... The second subject says, I doubled my talents as well. I had three, and now there are six. And he looks to the last subject who says, I did not do as you asked. I did not spend or invest the talents that you gave me. I hid them away and hoarded them. And so the Lord takes his talent away and gives it to the other men. And Jesus shares, for he that giveth, much will be given. But he who does not give will be taken from. And what's the message there? For me, it's pretty simple. Use it or lose it. (laughs) Use this greater power in your life or lose this greater power in your life. Use the gifts of love, of oneness, of harmony, of joy, or lose them. Not in the sense Of God punishing us, not in the sense that the greater greatest power ever goes away, or that love or the ability to access those those ever go away, but when we don't use them, we give in to lesser powers. We give in to a more mediocre way of existence. We give in to a complaining life instead of a thriving life. Use the gifts that God has given you every day and find them multiplied. In greater and greater ways. I'd like to give names to the, the five talents today, the way that I would see the divine expressing in each of us, how, how I would take the, the five central teachings of Jesus and how we can apply them to our lives. And the, the first talent is the most important the talent of love. When you use love in your life, you nourish whatever relationship, whatever situation. Whatever circumstance you're in, wherever you love, you nourish the seeds of possibility in your relationship, in your life. Wherever you choose not to love, you neglect. Wherever you choose not to love, you neglect. The quality of your relationship may not go away right away. The quality of your living may remain high for a while, but pretty soon they'll give in to distrust. Pretty soon they'll give in to that sense of staleness. Love is how we grow our spiritual life. It reminds me of the famous interaction that Stephen Covey, who wrote uh, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, once had, where a man shared with him that he was married and they had three kids and he was really struggling in his marriage. And he said, I I, I don't feel love for my wife anymore. I'm not sure if I'm still in love with her. And Covey said, have you tried loving her? (laughs) He said, no, 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 you don't understand. I just don't know if I'm in love with her anymore. He goes, no, no, I do understand. Have you tried loving her? And he, he adds, my friend, love is not a noun. Love is a verb. Love, the feeling, is a fruit of love, the verb. So love her, serve her, sacrifice, listen to her, empathize, appreciate, affirm her. Are you willing to do that? The second talent is discernment. Where we utilize discernment in our lives, we maintain clarity. Where we don't use discernment, we lose clarity and give in to other powers. You've lost discernment spiritually when you see any power other than God as greater than the one that is within you, which is that spirit within you. And I think we underestimate how much Jesus teaches about discernment. To beware of the false prophets, to beware of the money changers. And we underestimate as well, even though the the apostles and disciples went on to to start the church, that they often weren't the smartest tools in the shed. (laughs) You know, and they 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 sometimes they, they ask, you know, Jesus, Jesus, when when will the kingdom of God come? Where on earth will it be? What future date will it arrive? And Jesus says to them, the kingdom won't come if you look for it. The kingdom won't arrive any particular place on earth because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is within you. Maintaining discernment helps us maintain the clarity of our deepest spiritual truth and helps us live them in our lives. The third talent is humility. Where we use The gift of humility in our lives, we're always opening ourselves to receive greater blessings. Where we don't practice humility in our lives, we think we know it all. We forget that God is the greatest power there is, and we think we are the greatest power there is, and we live with the consequences of the limitation. Jesus famously on Palm Sunday rides into town on a donkey. And there are a lot of interpretations of why this is, but for me, it's a mark of humility. I'd like to think or just speculate in the story of Jesus that he knew that he was going to die, but he wasn't sure what might happen after. But by doing this practice, he was opening himself up to receive that great blessing. And in this, he mirrors all of our stories in facing our mortality. Are we willing to face whatever challenges is before us with humility, willing to be blessed? The fourth talent is Forgiveness where we use forgiveness in our lives, we move much quicker from the dust of our lives into the dawns, from the sunsets into the sun rises. And the way that Jesus teaches forgiveness, it's not the kind of forgiveness where you get back together with Hank. It's not the kind of forgiveness where you let down boundaries Uh, where where people have have taken from you. It's, it's, It's the kind of forgiveness, at least in my understanding, where it's okay not to like somebody. But it's the kind of forgiveness where you realize and recognize there is no one unworthy of the love of God. The most radical, revolutionary thing that Jesus taught is that God is unconditionally loving. There is no one outside of the Spirit's grasp, loving everyone no matter what. And so his teaching of forgiveness is about giving the blessing for that love to occur. Our founder, Ernest Holmes, once said, if you want to stay out of hell, no one can ever be in it. I have to pause and think about all the people I sent there. (laughs) Pull them out. If If you want to stay out of hell, then nobody can ever be in it because you're there in consciousness too. And for me, if that's true, it follows that if you want to be in heaven, no one can ever be outside of it. We must be willing to allow that love of spirit to belong to everyone, no matter what. It's not easy, but it's the practice. The fifth talent is the talent of faith. Where we practice faith in our lives, we build a bridge between sunset and sunrise. We build a a bridge as we move through that path of not knowing the darkness, we might call it, into a greater way of being. Where we don't practice faith, we hold on to the dusk. We fear letting go of even a challenging experience out of fear that we won't be cared for, out of fear that the truths we know in the deepest part of our hearts won't be true in our greater reality. Faith helps us to know That even in the midst of sunsets and sunrises, there is an eternal dawn, ever available, ever present. We can't always see it, but that's important to remember about faith. It's not about belief in the invisible. It's about awareness of the invisible. No one's ever seen love. No one's ever seen joy. We see them expressed. No one's ever seen the divine, but we see it expressed and showing up in our lives in all sorts of magnificent ways. And as we embrace faith, we begin to rise up. We begin to rise out of just the experience on the earthly plane where sunsets and sunrises are a daily occurrence. But we begin to see things from the universal perspective, where we realize that the truth is that the sun never really sets. (laughs) And it never really rises. That it's always there, shining its light, giving of its magnificence, holding the universe and all in it together in its perfect harmony. When we use the gift of faith, it helps us rise above all obstacles to see that from a higher perspective, they are very small indeed. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org.